So many times when we do niche research, we end up with a list of niches that we know nothing about. And the idea of trying to become an authority in one of these niches seems scary and pretty much impossible when you're staring at your niche research spreadsheets. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but it is possible. And in today's episode, we will give you nine tips for starting a site in a niche you know nothing about. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am back with Mark again. Mark, I'm going to ask you the traditional question. I'm not going to ask, I'll just let you talk actually. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for asking. I'm glad to be here once again. Very excited for today's show. Once again. You do sound very excited. It's like it's very believable. So anyway, let's just jump into the topic because it's getting weird. Today we're going to talk about starting a website in a niche where that you know nothing about or very little about at least. And I guess the question is why would you do that in the first place? And I think there's several reasons why. The first one money. Yeah, exactly. Market opportunity. It's like, <laughs> it's like you just do niche research. You you know look for good affiliate programs, affiliate offers, other sites that do well, low queue, difficulty keywords, that kind of stuff. And you're like, oh, this niche looks fairly easy, and I'm pretty sure I could make some money there. And that is one of the reasons that you would be looking to do that. But I think this is not the only one. So another situation I noticed as well is like people want to do a big change in their life. They're kind of in their phase where they're just starting clean, et cetera, and want to do something new and kind of want to start a business out of these new things they're picking up. So, you know, someone starting yoga and is like, oh, I'm going to start yoga. I'm going to go like four times a week and I'm going to do a website about yoga. You know, like these things are sometimes short-lived, so you need to be a bit careful about that. But some people do that and some people are successful about that. And I think the last one that I have is kind of a generational thing. A lot of people are passionate about things that are very hard to monetize. Especially when you're passionate about anything that's mainstream. Let's say what you do during your free time is watching TV shows or like playing on your phone. Well, it's not exactly the most monetizable passion. And a lot of people do that, although that's why they're mainstream. And you don't necessarily have like something that's more of a niche passion, let's say. And so as a result, if you actually want to build your own authority sites and you don't really have any kind of skills that you can use for that, well, you need to pick a niche that you don't necessarily know much about. Any other situation that you can think of? I so thinking back to when we first started Health Ambition, and we, to be honest, we didn't really have much, much of a plan about it. Yeah, but I was saying like the underlying part of that was, I think, okay, there was a bit of money in it. We saw in it, there was a bit of, you know, we didn't really know what we wanted to do. So let's just pick something and get started. But also I think we kind of knew it was, there was like an underlying interest right? That we wanted to learn something about, about health. You're interested in learning. No, you don't necessarily know, but you're interested in learning. Yeah. So we hadn't necessarily like started down that path, at least not very far when we started the site, but we wanted to sort of get grips with it and get into it. Yeah. So I guess these are, these are the main reasons why you would consider doing that. And really a lot of people do that these days. And I think we can do a better job at talking about this kind of like actually getting into the niche. Like we're good at talking about tactics, but I think today I want to talk more about like getting into the niche and kind of like bridging it with tactics and things you actually do in real life. So that's kind of the point here. So I'll let you take the first point. Let's get there. Okay. So, and this is one which is really, really crucial if you're thinking of doing this is to overcome 
any negative mindset you have about not being an expert. So a good exercise to, to kind of change your way of thinking in this is to answer the question, is knowledge binary? To explain that question is, do you either know a niche or do you not know a niche? So is it, is it a binary option? Yes or no? Of course not. So we've been in online marketing for, what, 10 years each now, something like that. We don't know everything about this niche, far from it. We will never know everything about this niche, especially this one, because it's changing so frequently. But even if it wasn't, even if it was like how to play the piano or something, knowledge is constantly evolving and people come along, bring in new ideas and new tactics. And, you know, there's new tools come out, new things change, the world changes. Basically, knowledge is, is not static. It's always changing and you're never going to have it all. Basically, the takeaway from that is that everybody is in a state of not being a full expert. So what even is an expert? Well, you know, that's another question as well, because it's, it's very hard. We're to, not going to do that today. It's very hard to define. We can do that on our, uh, our secondary psychology channel, which we'll, we'll be starting soon. Which we're starting soon, yeah. <laughs> I think if you can think about it in these terms, in this context, then you can kind of get over that fear of, oh, I'm an imposter. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going into this niche and I'm not a world-renowned expert on whatever the topic is. Therefore, I don't have the authority or validity of what I'm saying to, to go out and put my information out there. That's not the case at all. Just to caveat this, we're not saying, hey, go pretend to be a doctor if, if you're not a doctor. Obviously, that's not something you should be doing by any stretch of the imagination. If you're not a master grand piano player, don't go and pretend to be one. But you can approach it in, in different ways of, you know, hey, I'm someone who's learning to be a good piano player. And then create your content from, from that perspective as well. Which a lot of people really enjoy, actually. I mean, when you look at even online marketing, like people love newbies starting a new site and showing from scratch. Like this is really, really popular. Yeah. And it works really well. And same for fitness, et cetera. Like, especially if you really actually get progress and it's visible, like people are really into that stuff. So I also think that like being an expert is a personality thing, you know, it's like when I go to conferences, it's very funny because there's like people that are extremely extrovert, people that are extremely introvert, et cetera. And, and it's really extravagant. People tend to believe they're better than they are or like at least display that. And in the sense that they're like, you know, even with very little knowledge, they're very confident. And so they will be taken as experts by a lot of people, despite the fact that honestly, when you talk technical about with them, it's just they don't know that much. And on the other end, there's people that are like really not talking much. But when you actually get them to talk, they're like, they know like way more than everyone else. They often have the biggest sites you've never heard about them, et cetera. And they do really, really well. But nobody thinks they're experts because they're not very outspoken and not creating content. And I think that's the thing. It's like the expert is the one that actually explains it to you and that it comes out. And so it's like a lot of times you don't have to be the best person. You just have to be the best person at explaining it, which only takes a critical mind and an ability to communicate together with an, a basic understanding of what the actual principle you're talking about is. And you don't need to be the absolute best at this niche. Like if we take the example of SEO, because I expect most people would know that, explaining a title tag, you don't need to be the best SEO in the world, right? You just need to understand what the title tag is, which is like a string of code of, like in the header of your page that search engines use to show in the search results, right? And most people that have been learning SEO for six months, if they're really good communicators, if they're really able to create 
good content or rather and explain it in a simple but entertaining way, they will sound better than many people that have been doing SEO for 10 years. So I think it's uh, the perception people will have of you depends on that more than your actual expertise, like actual, like how deep you can go and how much of an expert, the most advanced stuff you are, I would say. Yeah, agree. So one thing, and you started a little bit on that, like you were like, oh, don't pretend you're a doctor, don't pretend you're a piano player, etc. I wanted to, to say that starting in niches that you know nothing about, it works in some niches, but it doesn't work in every niche. And my advice is don't pick a niche that requires a degree to be seen as an expert usually. So let's say doctor is, is a good one, but like lawyer as well, or like accountant, etc. Like these things where there's really like, solid certifications recognized by the state where you need these things to get a job, etc. I would not recommend that you you start sites where you know in niches where you know nothing about when you don't have these credentials. In general, it's possible, but it's going to get more and more difficult. I mean when we see the one fake news that social networks and search engines and everyone is having, eventually it's gonna get more and more difficult. But you can do it for many other things. So like hobbies is a good one. Like there's no camping degree there's no knitting degree another one that i like for example is like computer building i could definitely make a site of like you know building pieces or sites or whatever and just talk about all these components in there and so on there's no degree for that and you can be seen as an expert just by being passionate all like new things things that are just starting so i put two examples i put drone flying and like phone photography so like these kind of like new trends or like electric vehicles is a good one as well like if you wanted to start a site in this like you don't need to have a degree for that and you just need to have experience hands-on with the items and just build up that real life experience to become the expert fairly quickly especially in niches, because nobody has a lot of experiences with this thing like who has 10 years experience on electric scooters nobody you know so i think it's about being strategic when you pick these kind of niches it's about picking niches where you're not going to get caught not having the credentials you need to be credible and where you can legitimately acquire authority because it is not a structured niche in like in a legal way, basically. So that would be my advice on this. There's also sort of like how deep the content is before you can kind of get, you know, a reasonable level of proficiency talking about it. Medicine's a good example. Like you really need to know so much about so many different parts of the body, about chemicals, the, you know, how diseases work, all these things to even come close to being able to talk about medical health kind of thing in, in, in that way. But with something like knitting, most people who have a bit of common sense can grasp the basic fundamentals. Okay, they'll, they'll maybe be like three or four core things that they need to learn, but they could probably you can probably learn those quite quickly. And then you can start talking about it and kind of if, if there's some creative aspect of it as well, you can you can sort of apply that from a, a pretty early stage as well. Moving on, the next one, I put down here in the notes, be curious. I just want to go off on a little tangent, talk about a little story about when I was a kid. So I, I am just the most curious. You don't want to save it for the psychology channel. Like, you, sure? No, no, no. We're, we're doing a crossover <laughs> episode right here. So all right. I am like one of the most curious people in the world. I love to understand how things work. doesn't really matter what it is. As a kid, my best friend's mom bought this magazine for her. She had four kids. She bought this magazine called How Stuff Works. None of them ever read it. I was the only person in that house that ever, ever read it. And I thought it was fascinating. It doesn't matter whether it was like how a helicopter flies or, you know, how a car engine works or how ships float, these kinds of things which, you know, kids often have questions or are curious about, about the world, but I was like annoyingly curious about the world. 
And so, yeah, I, I really enjoy that aspect of, of learning something. It doesn't really matter what the topic is. So if you can kind of apply that and if you can find your curiosity about a niche, then I think you can do very well in that because you can use that to, to motivate you to understand it very well. Even if the topic, let's say you're going into knitting and you're not particularly interested in in knitting, how it works. First of all, I would recommend you do have that uh, sort of personal interest in a niche if you're, if you're going to go into it. I was going to say, can you start outside a niche where you don't give a shit? I think you can. I genuinely do. I wouldn't say you should do that, certainly for your first site. I think that'd be a very bad idea. But I do think you can, you can do that if you have a, a solid team around you and stuff. Here's why. Because just because you're not interested in the topic, you can be very interested in another aspect, say the business side of it. So I have no interest in antiques, none whatsoever. But there's an antique shop around the corner from my house and I walk past it every time I go to the supermarket and I'm thinking, I always will stop and look in the window and like see what they have. And not because I care about any of these things, but I, what's going through my head when I look at that, it's like, wow, how does this place stay in business? What is the business model? How do they make money? What are their margins? How do they get customers? Like these kinds of questions really interest me because I, I love understanding how businesses work. So I think this is a sort of good way to emphasize how you can get into, how you can like ramp up your curiosity about a niche, even if you're not interested in the specific subject matter itself. Cool. Let's talk about the next one, which is uh, immersing yourself into the niche. I think uh, let's start with another story. I guess, I guess we like put a bit too many stories here. <laughs> when we started Health Ambition, not exactly when we started, but rather when we started the juicing part of Health Ambition, which uh, is not necessarily the most popular hub these days, but it used to be very popular. We actually like really like the fact it's funny because we didn't plan on it. But then as we started like reading about benefits of juicing, etc., we actually both got juicers and we didn't get like the cheap juicer you get in Tesco. No, 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 no. We got the actual like slow cold juicer, etc., that like makes a huge mess when you make this juice. The Omega J8007, I think it was. So the thing with juicing is like, it's really cool when you first get into it, but then you realize it's just like annoying to have to have to like do it and clean it. Most importantly, all the time, even though you can put it in the dishwasher, just taking all the bits apart and it's just, uh, it's a bit of hassle really. That's why I think a lot of people buy juicers, but never actually like end up juicing for very long. So. Yeah, but anyway, the point is, at the time, we actually got into it with both, but like a 350 euro juicer-ish. And like, you use it more than me. I do use it a bit, but uh, you use it more than me for sure. Yeah, exactly. It helped us understand like what was good and bad about juicing, like the mess. And I think like, for example, like, you know, when you juice, like you get this kind of like dry puff coming out, etc. Then uh, actually some people, they actually use this to like make recipes and like salads and stuff, depending on what the pulp is. And so like some, I know, or they use it for their compost. And so like all of these, like just trying to figure out what to do with it and like how to like recycle it and stuff, gave us several content ideas for the site, et cetera. And actually, I think we had something about that in the, in the ebook as well, like what to do with it. Yeah, I mean, so I, I was working with the, the content team who, were, who produced the, you know, the, we had a, a little mini course around juicing at one point as well. Um, which we we sold and by having a juicer myself and having used one you know more than a few times i kind of got to know all these little intricacies and ins and outs of it and it was so helpful when managing the creation of that those products and kind of giving feedback and 
and even like planning content in, in certain situations like i could tell the editor what to add and what to remove and like certain things to watch out for and, and this kind of thing so but the thing is like you don't even have to do this for 10 years to get this idea like really within a few weeks you could tell you know and i think that's kind of the point of this point it's like you don't need to do these things for a long time if you have a site about crossfit literally go to crossfit for like like six weeks and you will already be way better at running your site for example it's not that difficult i mean crossfit can be hard but yeah uh that like you really can use your life to like come with niche ideas as well so like for me like i've renovated a place from scratch we basically like destroyed every wall except the external walls for like, the apartment about only one wall that was carrying the building obviously but we basically we did everything include like literally was sand on the floor and we rebuilt everything from scratch it's pretty much almost done now we're missing a few things but like i should definitely have used that opportunity to start a site for example if i wanted like a site about apartment renovations it would be very easy to make decent money and i've learned so much for that process i mean like and the funny thing is like as i was doing this i was doing a uh, queue research for it and when i realized the price of some stuff like shower drains a really high-end shower drain can be like a thousand dollars for example like a good gabarite one that's like really slim cost about a thousand bucks so like good commissions and like best shower drain type queues, they're very, they're very uncompetitive and they have thousands of searches per month. And it's not exactly a niche that's going to uh, die out uh, anytime soon. So, is, is bestshowerdrains.com still available? <laughs> not for long know. now. Let's see. Let's see after this podcast. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to give examples, but then I'm just giving all of them away. It's really annoying. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, but it's just one example. There's plenty of other ones. I think we gave uh, the example when we gave examples of like niche sites, the toilet, pick my toilet uh, yeah. or something. Uh, of the guy that's just like uh, was reviewing all sorts of toilets. And the same, great, actually great niche. But what I'm saying is through that life experience, it's a very good occasion to like start a site and like immerse yourself. So you can do the reverse instead of like finding a niche and immersing yourself. When you're kind of like thrown into something in your life, you can actually start a website about it. We have friends that used to be travel bloggers and now they have a kid and they're actually starting a parenting site, for example. So that's a good example. I could have started a site when I got a dog as well. So these kind of things, I guess parenting wouldn't be very happy, but uh, these kind of things, you know, you can use these opportunities Instead of immersing yourself, rather use your life experiences to start websites. Usually they're going to be broader issues and things that people do, but you can kind of find a twist in it. So like instead of like having a dog, I have done like having a Yorkie or like renovating an apartment versus home renovation, these kind of things I could have done. So yeah, you basically immerse yourself that way. Next one's uh, all about getting to know the competitors in the, in the lands, in the niche rather. So the best way to quickly learn a niche is by reading your competitor's content. This has several benefits. First of all, you, you learn the niche, surprise, surprise. But more importantly, you also get to understand how people approach it from a, an online marketing perspective. So what keywords are they targeting? How are they structuring their content? How are they organizing their reviews? Are they doing star ratings? Are they breaking it down by certain categories? And then if they're doing that, then you can sort of get takeaways from that oh well if they're calculating in their reviews how much pulp the juicer com puts out maybe that's an important thing for for juicers and you can kind of build on insights very quickly this way when you're when you're looking at competitors from a, a commercial vantage point as well as from a sort of learning vantage point as well and you can use feedly to subscribe to basically all the big sites in your in your niche and get the feed on your the RSS feed on your phone 
and then just go and uh, you wrote this. I don't know why I'm reading it, but uh, apparently you can. Not that I necessarily do this, but some might suggest that you can just read it every time you go to the toilet. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just, I was thinking of Michael Gibbs, actually, who mentioned that on the Age 4 group, actually. But that actually, it's a good idea. Like, make a feed account. Subscribe to every big site in whatever niche you want to get into so that you'll get all the new articles, etc. And then if you're waiting in queue somewhere, if you're in the toilet on your phone or whatever, which a lot of people do, I'm sorry, it's just the case. Yeah. Well, it's a good time to actually get into your niche and just read these for like 10 minutes with two articles or whatever, you know? And I think that's a great way to get to know your competitors in a non-intrusive way to your to your like the rest of your time, productive time, you know? So basically the summary is if you want to get to know your competitors, take them to the bathroom. I was going to say take uh, laxatives, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> All right, next point. Next point is moving swiftly on is to hit up an expert to to kind of get the 80-20 from, from them. Imagine if when you first went into online marketing, which is, again, a niche. I'm just using it as an example because everybody knows it who's listening to this podcast. Most of us have spent hours going down the wrong path, like reading bullshit forum posts and blog posts uh, telling us how to do things the wrong way and all that kind of spiral of information and misinformation. Imagine if you got to talk to an expert, even yourself, uh, present day yourself, when you first got started into online marketing, and you could just pick your own brain for, for an hour, how much time would you save? How much value could you get out of that in terms of knowing where to focus your energy? Probably quite a lot, right? And you can do this. You can either simply just reach out to notable bloggers or experts in a in a space and ask to pay for their time. Hey, can we can we have a thirty minute call, an hour call about this? I'll pay you X. Uh, I just want to learn a bit more about this niche. Curious to get into it. No need to prepare that kind of thing. And I'm sure a lot of people will be be very interested in that. You can also use a, a site called Clarity.fm, which is a pay per minute call system i guess not that kind of call system i know what some of you are thinking but you pay per minute to speak to business experts in this case and you will yeah basically search for someone who knows something about whatever niche and then it'll bring a list of them and people review them and they have sort of profiles and all that and you can just schedule a call and you pay like a couple bucks a minute or something i mean it depends on some people are cheaper some people are more expensive depending on sort of how how highly they, they price themselves. But it's a great way to get access to really hard to access people typically. And you can ask them absolutely anything and they'll just talk to you as much as you want. I mean, as long as you pay them, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a really good idea to do that once you've done your keyword and market research. So what you can do is you can pick the topics of your next 10 articles, you know, and bring up these topics to them and have like you know ask them like oh what's the real challenge about this like uh, it's like I'm gonna take online marketing as well because people know that but like if we were asking about like keyword research I'd be like oh like what's the one mistake that you see everyone make all your competitors make etc and just ask these kind of questions and you'll be able to like surface that in your content by just taking quick notes and just asking a couple of questions on each article and it's a really good way to add like true expertise to your content and you can add often i'm pretty sure they'll be fine if you add their name which for the people that care about eat will be uh, quite valuable i guess i would do the calls after you have planned 
your upcoming content. I would also say you, you can do them before you even get started in a niche. If you like want to know about health and you know inter- interview a few people, a few health experts or health blogger experts even, and just talk to them for a bit and uh, and see if you really do want to get into the space. Or maybe they can say, oh, you know, here, read these books, read these blogs. These ones are good. These ones are bullshit. You know, things that which normally take a lot of time to for you to build up that kind of critical sense on. I think you can save a lot of time by by doing it this way. Yeah, it's like what you can do as well is just build relationships with them. Like it's like if you're gonna talk to these guys, you, you might as well be like, hey, can you introduce me to like blogs in the industry, etc. Because these might be your future link partners as well. And if they're already anchored in the industry, it's a really good way to like get going. So uh, they might not do it because you're just a customer, but it's probably worth asking to be honest. Like even just for introductions without asking for a link right away. So that's basically it. Let's go on to the next point, which is writing the first 10 articles yourself. And that's scary. When you don't know the niche, when you've not worked in it, when you've never been paid in it, writing an article about it is is really scary. And a lot of people want to outsource content creation, and we do, but we often invest ourselves a lot in the first few articles of any website and or any category in, a new, in an existing site for that case. Like we're doing it right now on Toy Hacker. We have some other categories we want to develop and like, yeah, we have to get involved quite a bit. But writing yourself, really, it's the best moment to learn your niche because it forces you to research the topic yourself. So we've mentioned this many times in the podcast. So if you've heard our other podcasts, you probably know about that. But we use a tool called Dynalyst. We're using it now for this podcast. And we just use it to like brainstorm ideas on the topic and just make the subsections and so on. So which point we're saying now is just like it's ordered already in a Dynalyst. And what we do is we just Google around and just search in our notes, etc. when we put these points together. And what this forces you to do is to actually learn about these topics when you're researching them online, reading other articles, reading books, whatever. And that's essentially what's going to build your expertise on the topic. For You can pretty much take any topic and with like, you know, half a day of research, you will know more than 95% of people because a lot of information is available for free online on YouTube, Wikipedia, etc. And then based on that, you just write an article. It's not perfect, but the point is, the content we put online, especially these days, is made to be updated anyway and will be updated in the future. So even if you don't put the perfect piece of content together, just start with it. Have the page that starts ranking for the keyword and just improve it over time. Check what the top ranking results are just writing about and just try to do something similar, basically. So the next point is to, instead of worrying too much about you not knowing enough things or enough kind of about the topic, Instead, try to reframe that uh, and think of how you can know more people. So it's like who you know, not what you know. And the people you know in a space is, is arguably more important than the, your knowledge of the topic it's itself in, in certain circumstances as well. Think about all these people who have podcasts where they basically just interview people all day. So I'm thinking like John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire, a good example are people in, in every niche that sort of run these YouTube channels, podcasts, and they, they do a lot of interviews where they bring the experts and they are kind of good at getting information out of these experts and bringing that to, to you, the audience. And you can bring a lot of value by doing that because in a lot of niches, the people who are the best or who are at the top of the game, they're not very good at communicating. They're not very good at building a good looking website and distributing information in an easy to consume way so you can you can bring a lot of value by by kind of bringing this 
to the table and then the, the experts will bring their knowledge to, to the table. So that's uh, just a different way of thinking about sidestepping the, the issue of you not having the necessary knowledge to, to sort of compete at least on, on day one. And if you can continue to be known as, you know, the guy that interviews yoga people or something like that, then eventually you, you get associated with being a yoga expert yourself. And because you're talking to all these experts all the time, you build up your kind of your own knowledge and your credibility and it all just kind of snowballs from there. It's not just that, but actually these experts tend to tend to tend to share the content that you create with them. And as a result, you actually get an audience from this as well, which is quite powerful. And if you're just honest about like not being like the absolute expert on the topic, and I guess let's just jump on the next point at the same time, which is the last point, which is if you're a complete journey, just make your content about your journey. If you're a complete newbie, make content around your journey. You said if you're a complete journey, <laughs> make content around your journey. Okay. <laughs> if you're a complete jerk, then just be a newbie. No, whatever. Okay. Just make content about the journey. So I think, and I'm going to take an example again in, in the IM news because I think a lot of people know him, but Gareth Dane is a good example of that, where he just said, hey, I don't have any affiliate sites, but I'm just going to build a bunch of affiliate sites. Come and follow me to see me build my affiliate sites. And a lot of people followed. And that happened in a lot of cases. I mean, Spencer from Niche Process has done that before. Uh, the guy from NerdFitness.com has done that as well. He was just like getting started. He was working out with like gallons of milk and everything at the beginning, I remember, when his blog started. So you can do that in pretty much any skill. And, and people are willing to follow, especially if you are relatable and you're open about what's difficult about it and so on. It is very, very powerful as a case study to build up an audience. It's like, I think if you... If I wanted to start a niche I don't know anything about, I would probably do that. I'd probably do that journey of like, watch me learn this and in between interview experts and ask them about that point I'm at in my journey, you know? So like, I'd be like, oh, watch me get a six pack or something. And then I'd literally just like interview like fitness models, et cetera, on a podcast or like on YouTube live or something like that. And then I'd just like make a video documenting, make videos documenting what I've been doing and what I've been learning, what was difficult. And maybe at the same time, create my kind of like SEO content around what I'm talking about. So let's say I'm talking about like lat pull down at the machine or something, I'd write the article about that and just have that article on my site and start filling up the SEO content at the same time. And that's really powerful because you're building an audience, you're borrowing authority from experts, they, and at the same time, you're building your SEO content. So I think that's the way I would do it. And it would be 100% honest and good with the audience at the same time, give you a really strong opportunity. To no expectations on you to have expertise either. So it's another benefit. Yeah. And you, and the way you angle it is like, you know, it's like, well, you know, a lot of people read about, you know, getting a six pack or whatever, but how many people actually have a six pack? Not that many, right? So if you're reading this or if you're watching this, the chances are you probably don't have a six pack, but you're interested enough to watch this video. Therefore, you'll be interested, like subscribe and we'll go on this journey together, just do what I do, and then hopefully we'll get that together or something. And that's a really powerful messaging to give to people and it's a really good way to build a community actually. So I would say that's, that's the way I would do it. It's, it's smart as well because you're kind of tailoring your content and focusing it on where the most people are. So online marketing, the most people are not people who have very successful websites. The most people haven't started yet or are just getting started or are yet to or ju have just made their first dollar online, something like that. So it's, it's, a, it's very smart to, to take this approach as, as well. I, I, I like it a lot. 
And eventually you become big, and then you, but you can still have all your journey documented, which makes it really powerful for new people that discover you as well. Because you've documented yourself from the beginning, like your, your journey from the beginning, even though you become an expert eventually, you kind of have all that content from when you were not an expert and kind of like showing the progress. And that gives legitimacy to everything you have said before if you reach that end goal later. So it's, it's just like a really, really powerful process. And it's a great way to become a true authority in a niche, even though you know nothing about it at the beginning. All right, cool. Well, so there you have it. The nine tips to get started in a niche you know nothing about. My final worst of advice is really just make sure you are interested in a niche to some extent or interested in learning because that would be the number one reason why people don't make it work eventually. But I would say be honest with your audience, actually build an audience and use the advantage of being in a situation where most people are to build that audience and actually use experts, et cetera, without any pretension and build it up from there. You get a lot of links from uh, being sharing your case study and so on. So that's basically it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on iTunes, obviously. We're on SoundCloud, pretty much everywhere you want. And if you really like this podcast, then give us a little review on whatever service you use. That is always helping us reach more people. And well, have a good week. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.